amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold, and this week and next week we have my live interview from the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal with Jeannie Ashere, and it is such a great interview. You know, interviewing someone in person and not on the Zoom or the Riverside, whatever I record on, it's just a completely different experience. Although I do enjoy my interviews via Riverside because I can interview anyone from anywhere, any place. But, you know, just being in the room with someone and reading their body language and just getting comfortable and deep. And it was just great. And the audience was great. And they were constantly there was a guy in the in the front who was like, every time I forgot to ring a bell or he thought the bell should be rung, he would make a like a gesture like ding, 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 ding. And You'll hear it in in the interview. It's so funny because Gina, really, her mother was such a Jewish mother in so many ways, and yet not a Jewish mother. So it was just really fun, and I'm a big fan of hers, and I'm so proud of her success. But, you know, what a journey. What a journey. And uh, a lot of really important issues we talked about, a lot of important issues which are still very um, prominent in our uh, society right now, notably racism. So uh, I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. A lot of good energy. What else did I have to tell you? I am still in Provincetown till September 3rd. So if you are on the Cape, please come see me. It's Sundays and Tuesdays at 8.30 and Thursday at Wait, Sunday, Tuesday, 8.30, Thursday at 7 at the post office Cafe and Cabaret, which is where I started when I started performing here in the great town of Provincetown in 1992. So anyway, that I know I said it in the beginning and I didn't say at the end because I really want everyone to come because I'm really funny this year. I'm really funny and old. What else did I have to tell you? I hate... Trump and that whole indictment was such a buzzkill. Literally, here's my impression of the indi- watching the indictment on television. Okay, this is my impression. Ready? Uh, Donald Trump just got into the courtroom. Uh, Donald Trump is wearing a blue suit and a red tie. He just uh, whispered to his attorney and they shared a chuckle. The judge is uh, a little bit late. She's a few minutes late, and they are sitting there patiently. Oh, the judge just walked in. They've all risen. And they're just sitting down now. And now 
uh, Donald Trump has pled not guilty. Like, I thought, like, put the fucking cameras in the courtroom. This was the president of the United States. Show what the fuck is going on and stop dicking around. We have every right to see this and see this criminal. And, and yet they just protect him and he shows up so he can make a stupid commercial. And these people, I'm sorry, they're fucking idiots. Anyone who votes for that motherfucker is a traitor and an idiot and, and not a patriot. Not a patriot. Okay, knows nothing about what America is truly about. So fuck him and fuck the media for like, you know, just, you know, teasing us and like acting like, oh, my God, this is what all they do is regurgitate the same shit over and over again that we should be able to see the proceedings. He was the president of the United States. Okay, we had to watch the insurrection. We should be able to watch this. Fuck him. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. All right, uh, so that's my big rant, my mini rant for today, because fuck it. I don't know what else to tell you. This country is just, you know, being in Montreal while everyone, where everyone's really nice, it's just you come back here and you just everyone's fucking mean and an asshole, especially in the car, okay? And it's just like it's annoying. It's a just annoying. Everyone is just miserable here. Uh, but I do love Provincetown and I love the ocean. Anyway, uh, so that's it. I actually have to go run and do a show now. Uh, I'm recording this on a show night. I'm recording my opening on a show night. So I have to run out and do the show. But I want you to know that I know you're going to love this interview with Jeannie Yashere. She is, she's awesome. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of my interview with Gina Yashere. Everyone, <laughs> welcome to Kill Me Now! <laughs> Thank you! I can't believe this room is packed to the gills, standing room only. <laughs> Just for reference, for the listeners, I am in, at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, which is the, is it the largest comedy festival in the world? Uh, is uh, it? Yeah. Is it? No, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> and I am so excited <laughs> that my guest today is Jeannie Yashere. Yeah, you're supposed to clap. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Or as the announcer said, Gina, you're sheer. Boo! Um, you know, I have known... How long... You, you moved to the United States... 2007. And I have known Gina since then, but we're going to start today... By the way, Gina, this is the Jew bell. Oh, I like it. Okay, Jew so bell. anytime I say anything remotely Jewish... I ring a bell. It's an homage to my mother, uh, who <laughs> who would uh, everything like we'd be watching TV. I'd be like, "Oh, Jew, non-Jew, converted, anti-Semite," you know. <laughs> so um, I have a Jew bell because I'm telling you, anything and in my head, anything that it comes up that's Jewish, I'm like, "Oh, Jew," you know. So. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going to start at the very beginning. I do a lot of research on my She's guests. Is anyone She's a regular listener to my podcast? Oh, two people. That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> and even my manager doesn't raise his hand. So let's... That is why my podcast is called Kill Me Now. Um, but Gina. Uh, yes, Gina. Regina. Obidapo. 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 Yes. It's beautiful. It isn't. But okay. okay. It's, <laughs> it's 
Iyashere, Iyashere. So the I is almost silent. Okay. So it's spelled I Y A S H E, but it's Yashere. So it's Yashere. Yashere. Yeah. Yashere or Yashir. Or Yashir. Yeah, I'm or kidding. Yashire. Aisha. Okay, you were raised in Bethnal Green, London. Indeed. Your life is so rich. The experiences that you have experienced that, of course, make you who you are today. But your family moved from Nigeria to England. Um, your father was an academic. Was he an attorney? I read one place he was an attorney, but he was a PhD. And yeah. your mother was a headmaster of a school. Yeah, at, so yeah. He, he studied law. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and so he had the law. Oh, okay, I just, can I just can saying. I do one for Nigerians? Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. that makes sense. So we studied law, and then obviously Nigerians never stop studying. So he also wanted to do a PhD as well. He just he wanted all all of the qualifications in the world. So, but they met in England. Even though they were from the same city in Benin City, Nigeria, where, right. the, bron- where the bronzes came from, uh, they met in London and had us all in London. So we were all born in England. Then, when you're three, yep. he leaves because he can't get work? Yes. Now, was that a racist thing? or was Absolutely. That... Okay. Uh, in England in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they used to have signs on their doors. No dogs, no blacks, no Irish. So if you go to try and rent a place and you saw that sign, you go, well, chances are I'm not going to get a room in this house. So it was very outwardly racist. You know, America, England was the architect of racism. Americans think you guys do racism the best, but the Brits were definitely better. Uh, so uh, we're they actually seeing remnants of that now. Oh, with the, yeah. Absolutely. Family. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they couldn't get, you know, my mother was a qualified teacher. She was a school principal in Nigeria before she was 25. And my dad, highly qualified, had the law degree, had all of the stuff, you know, and was like, I want to do law or do... And they were like, you can drive a bus. <laughs> so my dad was like, let's take the children and go back to Nigeria. Let's go back. And your mother said no. My mother said no. She was like, my children are British and I want them to have the opportunities that being British entails. So we have to stay here and sacrifice for our children. And my dad was like, hmm, very interesting point. And then he went back to Nigeria. But <laughs> why do you think your mother was so insistent on being British? Niger- knowing that your father could be, you know. Nigeria was a up. British colonist, right. colony. So, you know, it was a British colony. And they'd been sort of fed this idea that England was paved with gold. The streets were paved with gold. And you come to England and and there is way more opportunity for you in England. So she was like, my children need these opportunities. So your father leaves. Yep. You don't see him for how long? Till I'm 38 and I'm performing in Nigeria. <laughs> I mean, and he started another family. Is that Whole correct? other family. I turned up my, in Nigeria to do a show when I was 38. And, uh, and it's a massive show. I've been flown over by this huge star, comedic star in Nigeria called Basket Mouth. He sells out stadiums all over the world. And he'd seen me perform in New York and he flew me out to Nigeria first class to do this big show. It was like 5,000 people. And it was in a massive hotel, the Sheraton in Lagos. And as I walk up to the desk to check in, a young guy jumps out and starts taking pictures of me. And I'm like, ooh, paparazzi in Nigeria. I'm that famous. Turns out this guy was my younger brother. Wow. He was there with my father. 
who turned up behind me. And as I was checking in, the woman at the desk says, are you two together? And I was like, me too. And I turn around and I see this old man standing behind me and I instinctively knew. You just, yeah. Knew I knew it was, was my father. Yeah. I just Because when I was going to Nigeria, my mother had said, your father is going to turn up at that show. <laughs> your father, watch. Your father is going to be there. And he was. I turned so, around and he was there. Yeah. When you saw him, yeah. like, what happened inside? Like, you, I mean, you didn't, did you remember anything about him? No, I was three. I mean, he'd sent me letters when I was, you know, as I, because I'd got quite famous in England. And obviously my last name, he recognized the right, last name. of course. So then he had cousins living in England. So they started leaving letters for me at theater stage doors going, I'm your father's cousin and he wants you to get in touch. So I'd seen pictures of him over the years. But my reaction when he turned up behind me, I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. So Look. no, like, oh my God, heart dropping no. into stomach. No, it was just weird. It's amazing. I was like, oh, hello. Let me finish checking in. I'll get right back to you. And I carried on <laughs> checking into the hotel. Wow. Was he emotional at all? Yeah, he was. He was my child, my daughter. And uh, Didn't you want to go? Go fuck yourself. You left me when I was three. Uh, I couldn't because I had that Nigerian respect instilled in me. Right. So always respect your elders. In my head, I'm like, yeah. what is the point of this? I don't need a father now. I'm fucking right. nearly 40. Oh, can I swear? I, I oh, uh, hello? So- <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, you cunt? Oh, my God. Seriously, you piece of shit. So, All you right. know, but I respected him as my elder. And, uh, and I'm in Nigeria, so I can't be seen to be screaming at an old man because they would right. kill me there. So I basically went, uh, you know, and then I, and he hadn't, he hadn't even bought tickets for the show. So then I had to get them, him and his. <laughs> no way. <laughs> he just turned up. And then I was like, can I get them in? And so then I got he them into wanted the show. free tickets. Yeah. So I got them into the show. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> That was for free tickets, people. Um. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with factor. Factor I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing. And so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any 
time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay. Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So your work, your neighborhood growing up was yes. working class. Yes. Um, and before I get to what you went through in school, your mother was also told you you can't do what you used to do here. Uh, but she became a businesswoman, and yes. she was. I mean, you had this. I mean, the more I read this, really. This woman with such agency, with such determination, mm. and who didn't take any shit from anyone. Like, nope. you really had this strong female yeah. role model, um, and you were also kind of scared of her. Oh, yeah. She was harsh. Uh, my mother was not a fun mother uh, growing up. Yeah, you're right. No, there was no fun growing no up. No fun. Not. You couldn't even go on, on class trips with no. your school. Uh, there were no such things as hobbies. Uh, my mother turned every hobby into a job. Like, as a kid, I loved baking. And I'd come home with these amazing creations. And she'd be like, oh, that's a delicious cake. Every Sunday from now on, you will bake cakes for the family. So everything got turned into jobs. So I stopped learning things because I was like, she'll just make me do it all the time and take the fun out of it. And, it, and because, you know, she was an immigrant on her own, she was left. And when my dad left, um, I was three. My younger brother was 18 months old and she was pregnant with my younger brother. Oh, so God. she was in England in the 70s on her own. Uh, me and my brother had to go into foster care temporarily because she had nobody while she went into hospital. Do you have, have memories brother. of that? I do. Because uh, I remember being in this huge house with this white couple. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they had a piano and they took us to a car wash. Like, I remember they- Like they were nice. They were very nice people. They were very nice people. And they wanted to keep us. Oh. And my mother was like, hell no. And so I remember, I have a distinct memory of my mum meeting my foster parents at the train station to pick us up. And I was like, mommy, and me and my brother are running towards my mum. And I remember my brother falls over and starts crying. And my mother scoops him up and tries to scoop me up. And then she has this other little human in her hands because she's just had my youngest brother. And that is a clear memory of me wow. from when I was three, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, clear memory. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so your mother, you get back yeah. and you're going to school. Yeah. Um, you know, I was bullied, but I, I have to say, <laughs> you know, it was interesting when I was reading about you that one of the journalists said that you reinvented yourself. You were someone in grammar school, mm -hmm. and then you reinvented yourself uh, as you went to secondary school. And, you know, when I think of that, I think of how women in comedy 
have to constantly reinvent themselves mm -hmm. because we have to work twice as hard. Yep. People say, oh, I, I, now I, I saw her, I saw her. You have to c consistently mm -hmm. do this reinventing. And, I, you know, it reminded me, I was Judith up until I went to uh, junior high school, high school, and I said, oh, I'm Judy now. It was like my own way of, you mm. know, separating myself. So you got called Dapo yeah, so my, as a child. My Nigerian name was Obidapo, which got shortened to Dapo, which... Dapo in England, because nobody could do the Dapo. So it became Dapo, and then it became Bus Depo. So then <laughs> that's what the people calling me at school from four to like eight, Bus Depo, and I hated it. So then I was like, I'm going to take my British name, which was Regina. But in England, it, the queen was called Elizabeth Regina. So then I became, I was like, when you I gave... gave yeah, exactly. Regina, I had Regina. no idea. I had no idea. And my mum never warned me. So I was like, when I left junior school, so junior school was sort of like five to sort of 10, 11. And then we go to secondary school, which is 11 to 16. So when I was going to secondary school, I'm like, I'm not going to be bus depot anymore. I'm going to use my English name, Regina. <laughs> Regina, Regina. Oh my God, indeed. So then I get to school and I'm Regina. And one of the first lessons is biology. Well, you know what? I so became vagina for the next <laughs> fucking five years. The but, worst. So, um, just personal note: uh, my ex, her mother's name was Brina, and uh. I used to call her Brina Vagina. Yeah. Okay, and she used to get so fucking mad at me. But then yes. I told her cousins, and they were all laughing. Okay, anyway, but the point is, yes, you. So you were in an integrated school. Yes, and it you're you're being bullied, and then. When you get to secondary school, a white man uh, sees you leaning against his car. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you please tell that story? Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm in London. London fascinating. Go London ahead. is a very cosmopolitan town. So lots of different people, and uh, that was one of my first outward. Actually, no, it wasn't because uh, I remember being spat on skinheads when I was spat on by skinheads when I was eight. So that it wasn't my first experience of outward racism. So when you got when the skinheads spat came. me, I didn't know it was racism. My mum just said, "Oh, those are bad boys. Ignore them." Right. So that's what it was. We'd be walking down the street and people would shout stuff out the window, or they'd if it was raining, they'd veer their car into a puddle. And we'd get splashed. Right. And my mum never called it racism. She goes, "Those are just bad people. Ignore them." So I didn't know what racism was. Do you feel that that was a good way of doing it? Uh, it was her way of surviving. It was a survival. Thing. She was just concentrate on being the best you can, study, get a good job. Do you think that that is what made you not bitter and more of a someone who sort of accept this is what that is and I'm going to deal with it my way? It, did you? I mean, I mean, I definitely became angry and bitter later after right. I became an engineer. There's right. no way that there was no bitterness. But, but as you, a kid, I was just trying to but survive. She wasn't, in, she wasn't putting hate in you. And like, those no. people fucking hate us. Like, you know, my no. mother's like, they all hate us. Everyone hates us. They all hate us. And, and <laughs> your, mother, your mother seemed to just say, no, those are bad people. Yeah. There's good people and bad. I mean, it's really such an intelligent 
and well, thoughtful I just way think, of dealing with it. I just think because she came from Nigeria, which was colonized by England in the most right. horrific ways, she always had that inner fear of white people anyway. So she was like, just But did you face, feel that way? I didn't, but I didn't know it was fair at the time. She was just face forward, yeah, just yeah. don't. So I, I, it wasn't until later, later on that I go, realized. you were terrified of these right, people. Right. But, but she didn't let you know. She didn't is, let me know. She was just, those are bad people. When you see those boys just walk past them, just run past them. So protective of you. Yeah, so she never, so I didn't know it was racism until I'm outside school. Uh, my, I went to the same school, my two brothers. We were only like, I was in, you know, we were like a born a year and a half apart. So we all were at the same school. And my brothers loved to hang out after school and gamble and play cards and hang out with their friends. And my mother insisted that we all come home together. So I was always stuck waiting for my brothers after school while they were playing marbles with their friends or whatever. So while I was waiting, I was tired and I kind of leaned up against the car. And unbeknownst to me, the owner of the car was not a lot far distance away. And I just heard, get off my fucking car, you black bastard. Right? So I turned around and I was like, black bastard, you fuck off, you white bastard. And he was like, what the fuck did you say? And he ran at me, right? Now this is a grown ass man. I'm 14. So I'm like, oh shit. My brothers were off playing somewhere so that I was not within sight of my brother so they had no idea what was happening so I just ran for it I just ran for it and I thought I'm gonna run back into the school once I get back into the school I'll be safe so I ran towards the school and he's chasing me towards the school and I get to the school door and I pull the door but because it was 45 minutes after school had closed the door was locked so I'm pulling at the door and this guy runs up behind me and grabs me and just starts punching me in my head, just laying into me. So I'm scrapped at the door and this guy's beating the shit at me. And then a teacher walks down the corridor and sees me being attacked by this man. And she runs towards the door, pulls the door open and pulls me in. And she recognized the guy because the guy had a daughter at my school. So she recognized the guy. Um, the police are called, he's gone by then. The police do nothing. If I remember rightly, the police do absolutely nothing. Because he was a firefighter? Is, did I read uh, that well, correctly? Well, that comes out later oh, in okay, court. So yeah. the police do nothing because this is England in the 80s. They're still very racist. He's a white man. This black girl must have done something to him to have deserved the beating that she got. So the police were called. They did nothing. He was arrested and then let go and nothing happened. But my mother was like, no, this... This man beat my child. How has nothing been done about this? Something must be done. And they were like, well, he was let off with a caution, which is basically a slap on the wrist. It's like, don't do it again. And away he goes. No consequences whatsoever. So my mum decided to take out a private prosecution against him. Take a, what is that? A civil, civil. Civil, yeah, lawsuit. A yeah. civil lawsuit against this man. I didn't, I just wanted it to be over, to be honest. I didn't want, because... I heard her talking that we were not rich people. We were quite poor. My mum was a single mother. We lived in the projects. We were quite poor. And, and I, I was like, we, actually, no, 14, by the time we were 14, we had a house, but we didn't have a lot of money. And, you know, she was making, scraping to make ends meet. And uh, 
I heard her talking to lawyers and lawyers were like, oh, it's going to cost £3,000, which is a lot of money. And I'm thinking, £3,000, I want Adidas shell toes and you will never buy them. You always buy me two striped shoes because you say you can't afford it. Why are you spending 3000 on this nonsense? Just let it go. But my mum insisted, this man beat my child. There is no way. So we went to court. We took this match. She hired a lawyer. We went to court. And my lawyer made the mistake of asking this man what he did for a living. And he said he was a firefighter. And immediately, everybody, they weren't looking at me as a black child. They were looking at me as a black woman who had obviously done something to this upstanding citizen right. to make him lose his temper. So basically, we lost the court case. We lost the court oh. case. He was not, you know, the fact that he'd assaulted a child, nothing. They just gave him what was called a complete discharge, which was another, don't do it again. And away he went. And my mum had spent £3,000 on nothing. Uh, and that was the end of that. So Did she ever talk about it with you again? She never spoke of it again. Never spoke of it again. Did you see any emotion like, oh, my God? None. I mean, that is... None. You know, I mean, we, like, we, we were in England. She, like, but she, she was knew. also trying to prove, like, she, she was... She tried, but then, you know, just like when she'd come to the country and she couldn't get a job as a teacher. Right. Just like when she we'd get shouted at in the street. Just like when we wouldn't get served in places. Just like when we'd always get... It was just another thing. This okay. And she well, was I just tried. stoic. She never said, no. "Learn." You see, this is the way the world works. No, she was like, "Okay," amazing. and that was it. And we never spoke about it again. Did you think about it a lot? At the time, I was like, "Jesus Christ! Look at all this money that we spent." Right, right. Because I was like, "We why? Why? Yeah, why did why you try to prove a point?" Yeah, yeah, I was like, I was a little bit angry at her actually because I was like, "Why? You know, you know what country we're living in. This is just right. not. It was a waste but of time." But when you revisit that today, I, I it's it must make it, your blood boil. It makes my blood boil, and it, and I just go, God, the the fact that my mum stood up for me in that way and was right. just like, "No, no man is going to beat my child and walk away." Right now, I look at it differently. Right, I'm like fuck, you know. And I, I, but she's like, well, it happened. You know, I tried. You know, she never, right. she never dwells. She never played she never, a victim. Yeah, she never dwells on the stuff. She never dwells on it. She's yeah. just like, well, it happened. I tried. It didn't work out. Okay, moving on. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. You uh, were expelled. <laughs> uh, I was asked to leave. No, at 16, <laughs> at 16, and you... My school, that is. And, yeah, and you felt that your life was over. You felt that, oh, my God, I have no future, and you overdosed. Well, what happened was, uh, I was doing my exam. So at school, at the time, in the 80s, you did these... Uh, once you studied from 11 to 16, you did your O-level. Right. Which was every subject that you were taking, you did an exam in. And then if you passed enough of those O-levels, you went on to advanced levels, which you picked your three or four... Specialist subjects. What were yours? Um, my mother picked mine. 
<laughs> I wanted to study French. I wanted to study languages. I loved languages. Um, but my mother was like, "What? you are going to be a doctor. You will do physics, biology, and chemistry. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. So I got her to let me do French A-level because I was like, a bilingual doctor will make more money, mother. So I, I, my A-levels turned out to be physics, maths, and French because I got to biology A-level and we had to cut open a rat and... Uh, I can't stand the yeah, and I can't stand the sight of blood. So I went from physics, biology, and French to physics, maths, and French. I was like, I switched to engineering. So I, I was studying engineering with French because I love languages. Um, so we did the O levels. So you do the O levels, and once you pass a certain number of O levels, you can decide what you want to do: stay on school to do A levels and go on to university, or you could leave school and get a job. So my mother was like, you're going to do O-levels and then you're going to do A-levels and then you're going to go to university and you're going to get a degree and then you're going to go to medical school. And then... So she picked out my whole life. Exactly. So picked out my whole life. So I was doing O-levels and I was, you know, and I, I did well at my O-levels. I passed them all and I was going to do A-levels. But during my O-levels, you know, you got to come in and you didn't have to wear school uniform because our school was a uniform school. But when you're doing your exams, they give you freedom to wear what you want. So I was wearing what I thought was the coolest outfit and I was coming in to do my exams. One of the girls who'd made my life a misery at school, called my, me names all through school, was in her maths class and she looked out the window and saw me strutting through the playground uh, on the way back from an exam and she started screaming abuse at me out of her window doing her maths class. So I walked into her maths class and I was like, what the hell did you say to me? And I beat the shit out of her, basically. I got into a fight with her and beat the shit out of her because I've, like, I've had five years of this shit. I'm not putting up with it anymore. Uh, I'm beat. And I beat her up in her mask. And her teacher did nothing. Her, te the, her teacher, his name was Mr. Muhammad, if I remember rightly. And I think he was from Morocco. And uh, I, a lot of the abuse I'd been getting from other black kids at school was about being African. They called me names African this, African that. Because there was a divide between black kids of African immigrants and Caribbean kids because they taught Caribbean kids that African people were animalistic. We were, you know, in, you know savages. And, you know, all they'd watch as Tarzan movies were black people running around cooking white people in pots and stuff. And that was the what they taught all kids in England, including other black kids. So I used to get a lot of abuse from, not even as much from white kids, it was other black kids that were constantly abusing me. So she was one of those kids. And she was, so I beat her up in the class and the teacher was an African teacher. So I, I don't think he liked that bitch anyway. So he kind of just didn't really do anything when I walked into the classroom and started attacking her. He just went, oh no, and did nothing. So I, basically I was called into the, principal's office the next day saying you attacked this girl you dislocated her shoulder and uh you can no longer once you finish your o-levels you will not be allowed to stay at the school to do your a-levels so i'm thinking damn i'm getting kicked out of school that means i can't do a-levels that means i was it more frightening that you had to tell your mother that that was the most frightening thing yeah for me i was like well they're kicking me out of the school. I can go. I didn't want to stay at that school to do my right. A-levels. I wanted to do go to another school. But my mother was like, no, you're staying here to do A-levels. So in my head, I was like, well, I don't want to stay at this school anyway. I can go to another school or go to a college, which was not a university. In England, colleges are, are in between school and university. Right. So I was like, I can go to a college and do my A-levels there. But... Uh, 
they'd already called my mother, so I had to get home. And my mother was absolutely livid, screamed at me for hours. And my mother has an acid tongue. When my mother abuses you, she will every, every, she can pick out everything Fault. about you, every right. fault, every, and destroy your soul. I, uh, this, this guy is, I, you should control the um, bell. He's like, ring, ring. Yeah, yeah, I might do that. Yeah, so I'm my mother my mother destroyed every part of my, just dressed me down for hours. And at that point, I was like, we believe in reincarnation, African people. So I was like, I'm going to kill myself and come back in a better family. And uh, so I basically went up to my room, went to the bathroom and took a bunch of pills, necked them. And luckily, there were aspirins and aspirins take a lot longer to kill you, if at all. So I took a bunch of aspirins and lay down waiting to die. But they didn't kill me. I lay there for hours going, when is this shit going to kick in? And it just didn't. And uh, yeah, so... And, then, did, and did you get sick or... Nothing. Oh, nothing. So basically what happened is I pretended to be dead. I was like, I'm going to fake it till I make it. So I lay there <laughs> for hours just waiting to die. Because you see the movies that they take the pills and then they die. Right. And they, so I was waiting there to die and eventually... My mum called me to do something and I was like, I'm not going, I'm going to be dead. And I lay there. <laughs> my God, did she, and she came up So there. she sent my older sister up to get me. And my older sister sees me lying there, slaps me around a bit, trying to wake me up because I'm like, I'm method at this point. I'm like, I'm dead. <laughs> so my sister tells my mum, there's a whole colour blue, they call an ambulance. Paramedics run up to my room and they're like, what did she take? And then obviously paramedics are medical professionals. So they know that these aspirins have not made me unconscious. So they see the pills and they go, and I'm lying there pretending to be unconscious. <laughs> and the, the, the paramedic just comes over to me and whispers in my ear and he's like, okay, Gina, we know you're pretending. Just get up. We can talk about it. But I'm not having it. I am method. I'm just lying there. Oh just my God. So they had to carry me down four flights of stairs and throw me in an ambulance. And basically they took me to hospital and pumped my stomach. Yeah. And Did your mother ever speak about that afterwards? Here's the thing. It was during my O-levels and I hadn't finished all my exams, right? I hadn't finished all my exams, which would get me to A-levels. So they, they pumped my stomach. I'm in the hospital afterwards. And uh, they go, do you want to see your mother? And I go, no, I don't want to see her. And then two minutes later, she walks into the room. So I was like, what was the fucking point of asking me? <laughs> so she walks into the room. Now I'm thinking, your daughter's almost killed. Your daughter almost died. Right. Surely there'd be some. My mother walks in and goes, how are you feeling? I'm like, fine. And then her next question is, when is your biology exam? <laughs> God. She was so worried that I was going to miss my exams and ruin our future prospects of me being either a doctor or an engineer. So you um, go, of course, to college and you become an engineer yes. and you get a job. Wait, I have the name of the company. I did not go to college. I did my A-levels, passed my A-levels and then refused to go to college. I was like, I'm getting a job. I will study for my degree Part-time. I need a job. I need money. I need freedom. So I, I refused to go to college. Oh, my God. But you became An the first female engineer. Yes. You um, engineered 
Elevators. Yes, for Otis UK. For Otis I was Elevator. First female. Yeah. First female. First. Um, yeah. And first black woman, you know, black yes. woman. And also, you had to experience not only misogyny, but racism at oh, that job. Absolutely. I worked on um, construction sites. There's no HR. So, you know, what? I'd work with all these white men and I was a black woman coming in more highly qualified than them because I'd studied... Right. You know, for my engineering degree. So I was on the same money as them, if not more, and come and they'd never worked with a woman. So they hated me from the get-go. And I'd, I was on construction sites. So I'd come in and my heart... And I refused to have separate uh, changing rooms from right. the men. I wanted to be with the men because I wanted to prove that I was one of the boys. Right. So I'd come in to put on my overalls and my hard hat... And there would be banana skins. Oh, hung. God, I want to see you in a hard hat. Oh. Okay. Oh, I've got pictures. Okay, good. And there would be banana skins hung above my stuff and or pictures of monkeys and apes on the wall. They'd call me the N-word to my face. They'd talk about how black people would... They'd never let black people live where they live. We're all animals. We're disgusting. Constant. This was the constant conversation that surrounded me at all times, uh, constantly racially abused. I remember, and at that point, when I'd left school, I changed my name from Regina, Regina, Regina to Gina, just shortened it right. to Gina at this point. I was like, they can do nothing with Gina, but one fucking resourceful white dude was like, Gina, do you know what your name spells backwards? A nig. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, thank fuck he doesn't know my full name is Regina. Yeah. So this wow. is what I put up with every day for four years. And at one point, I pulled a guy aside and I threatened him. I was like, if you call me the N-word one more time in my face, i got two of them in my family. I've got two brothers and I know where you live. And I will send them around your house to fuck you up. He never spoke to me again. Good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I had to do that. Of course you did. I had to do it. Thank you so much for listening to Kill Me Now uh, with Judy Gold, part one of my interview with Gina Yashere. And uh, Kill Me, oh, by the way, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling, and everything else clips, marketing, posting, editing, whatever, all done by Brittany Joe Sowards. Richmond. Um, so thank you to all of them. As I mentioned, I will be performing at the Post Office Cafe and Cabaret until September 3rd here in Provincetown, Massachusetts, uh, Sundays and Tuesdays at 8.30 and Thursdays at 7. But I will be at the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia, September 22 and 23. So FYI, get your asses there. Where else am I going to be? I don't know. I'm doing Uncab. Uh, on September 10th. I got a lot going on. And it's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. A lot of shit going on. So uh, just, you know, follow me on Twitter. Oh, you know what? I hardly do Twitter because it's just, and I hate that X, by the way. I fucking hate that X. He took all the good and innocence out of, without well, there was innocence, but you know what I mean? He took all the good out of Twitter. So fuck him. So I do go on threads, but I always forget to write there. But I am on Insta. Everything's at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. And, of course, my website, JudyGold.com, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. So um, that's it. I love you all for listening. And to everyone who showed up 
for the live podcast who's a fan of the podcast I love you and for everyone who comes to my shows I've had a lot of people on the show tell me they love my podcast and yell ding during the show and I, I love you all I cannot tell you how much I love you all and if I had my phone right now I would look up all the photos I took of people sending me nice notes but I'll do that next week how about that that's something for you to look forward to so anyway thank you all for listening I love you all you just keep me going and as we always say so long Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.